When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this week's episode of The Fieldhouse Files, the Pacers have a new coach. Going up to Toronto to hire away Nick Nurse's right-hand man, Nate Bjorkren. And welcome into another episode of The Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. I'm Scott Agnuson. From one Nate to another we go. It's October 20th, and early in the day, the Pacers making the hiring official. They have hired their next head coach, and that man is Nate Bjorkren. He's a 45-year-old. He's worked his way up from every single level. And first of all, that's absolutely what stands out. He was a walk-on early on at South Dakota And that's where he met Nick Nurse. That was back in 1994-95 when playing in South Dakota. And there you go. More than 20 years later, he's reunited once again with Nick Nurse up in Toronto for several years. First as a scout and then a couple more years as an assistant coach. And the Pacers have been enamored. Kevin Pritchard specifically, I'd heard, with Nick Nurse and what he had been able to do. I mean, look, Nick Nurse was a guy, he was an assistant coach working under Dwayne Casey. Casey was named NBA Coach of the Year. They had a fallout, though, in the postseason with the Raptors losing early, and all of a sudden the Raptors, despite that success, decided to make a change. Masai Ujiri deciding to go with Nick Nurse, the hot young assistant that had been unproven at the NBA level. He had won a title at just about every other level, And part of that stretch, Nate Bjorgren was right there with him, including the 2011 G League Championship while they were coaching the Iowa Energy, which is now the Iowa Wolves. But Nate has an impressive resume that he has gone through. And so that's why the number one thing that stands out to me about him is his perseverance, how He's stuck with it. You can tell he's a gamer. He's a basketball nerd, and I say that in a good way. You just don't make it through four different G League teams, through coaching high school basketball, through coaching the Suns and the Raptors, and still have that energy and passion for the game. So you're seeing all these coaches that make it for an extended period of time. you got to have that love for the game. And this fits the billing right away, I thought, with Kevin Pritchard and what he had been looking for. With this, Nate, you're going to see a guy that's a little bit more innovative, that is more empowering of his players, that is more trusting of his guys and making a system work for them rather than forcing those players to adapt to his system. Well, it's been a busy week, and I expect for it to continue to be busy for the Pacers over the next couple of weeks as on Wednesday they'll introduce Nate as head coach. Then he's got to get a jump on it with his assistant coaches, and you can kind of expect for him to at least have three. That's been the standard since Larry Bird was head coach, but if I'm Nate, and right now you have as much leverage as you may ever have, and he's a guy that came up as a player development coach, that's one thing that I'm pushing. I'm saying, hey, look, I also want to bring in at least two player development coaches in addition to my assistant coaches. Ultimately, it took 55 days 
from the time the Pacers and Kevin Pritchard moved on from Nate McMillan for them to hire Nate Bjorgren recently coming to terms and it being announced Tuesday afternoon that he would take over. This is Kevin Pritchard's first coaching hire since being entrusted as president of basketball operations in 2017. And as I've noted on previous podcasts, it's the first time that the Pacers have gone outside for a hire. There was Frank Vogel promoted from within and the same thing with Nate McMillan. So the Pacers hope here is that they can replicate much of the things that Nate and Nick Nurse and all were doing up in Toronto. You think back to the last years, I guess now two years ago, their title team, not one lottery pick on the roster. Consider the Pacers. They're never picking within the lottery anymore, and they haven't picked within the top 10 since 1989. So they have to maximize their picks, something they haven't done in recent seasons. You think back to guys like Solomon Hill, Miles Plumley, and even most recently in talking about TJ Leaf, who the Pacers are going to have to decide on. Or maybe, hey, with a new coach, with a new player development strategy, maybe they can find a place for him. But number one, Bjorkren's, I think, got to go down to Miami, introduce himself to Victor Oladipo, and strike up some kind of friendship and see what Victor has in mind for what's next and hear out Nate about his coaching philosophy and maybe how he plans to use Victor within the offense and the defense. Because while Victor has never come out and said that he wants to go elsewhere, all signs for the last, it's now two years, have struck that chord. And of course he wants to maximize his revenue. And of course he wants to play on a championship contending team. So Nate will should, at least. I don't know about Will. He should at least get the opportunity to sell himself to Victor, along with all the other guys on the roster. And everyone in the rotation is under contract for next season, with the exception being Justin Holiday. We'll get into free agency and stuff in a future podcast. Right now, it's about Nate Bjorkren taking over as head coach. And I hope you read my post on fieldhousefiles.com about what he's in for and what this job entails, how... Kevin Pritchard established the 3T culture, how Herb Simons, the longest tenured owner in the league, a lot of things like that. And I also wrote today about this hiring, and some of the highlights include what Kevin Pritchard was exactly looking for. And some of those key items included a leader who connects with the players, a forward-thinking coaching style, someone that's going to be able to adapt and make those in-game adjustments and have much-improved ATOs after timeout plays. That would be a breath of fresh air. Uh, I think, again, it's also about maximizing the player strengths rather than forcing those players within your system. And then, in short, it's about advancing. The Pacers have not advanced in the playoffs since Frank Vogel was here, since Paul George was the star of the team. And how about that? Frank Vogel winning a title before Paul George. And so Pritchard and his staff now have a partner in Nate Bjorkren to, to grow together and be collaborative with. And that's how Kevin views it. It's a two-way relationship, not just one way. And so the hope there is that they can grow together. And with Nate, you also hope with this adaptability, that's something the Pacers really could have benefited from this past year when they had almost 200 games lost due to entry. And this is where I give Nate McMillan a ton of credit for what he was able to do and tape up this team, so to speak. Despite all those injuries, they still finish ahead of the Miami Heat. They make it to the first round, but then they come up very short. And uh, this is where you have to decide as a franchise what you want to be about. Are you going to contend, 
Are you going to build a roster and have a player development system and invest in that enough to where in a year or two, maybe three, that you're in the conversation? Or are you content? And content in many respects is a terrible word because it it means you're comfortable. It means that you are satisfied and you should never uh, be satisfied. And so bringing in a new coach, Nate, he's 45 years old, talking about Nate Bjorkren. Um, he's coached at every level. He, he's had to coach a variety of personalities. He's a Midwesternish guy from Storm Lake, Iowa. Of course, Chad Buchanan went to school in Iowa and then coached there and has a lot of ties there as well. And then I also noted on my post on FieldhouseFiles.com how Matt Ant's general manager, Brian Levy, was the assistant GM of the Bakersfield Jam when Bjorkren coached there for one season. So a lot of connections to Nate throughout this process that the Pacers would be able to lean on. And and Devin Booker tweeted, Coach Nate Bjork, love to see it. Uh, Later on, we saw Jordan Lloyd, who attended Indy and played for the Raptors in a limited role, said, welcome to Indy. Super positive and passionate guy who loves and knows the game. Extremely happy for him. Indy, you'll love him. So, of course, a coach has never loved more than the day they are hired. After that, then the criticism sinks in. And so this is Bjorkman's day. This is his opportunity to get started on a right note. We'll talk to him on Wednesday, begin to hear his vision, what he has in store for the Pacers. Obviously, he had been coaching in the Eastern Conference the last couple of years. He had seen the Raptors' dominance over the Pacers, at least up in Toronto, and learned from that culture. I thought it was becoming pretty evident throughout this process when the Pacers interviewed more than 20 or so candidates, and don't be surprised if one of those other candidates is brought on in, say, a associate head coach role. But I think it was clear that the Pacers had really become enamored with what the Raptors and what the Miami Heat had done, their culture, their success, poaching young guys, undrafted guys, developing them, and being built from within. Because as we all know here, that's what the Pacers have to be about. They're not going to go out and land a monster superstar free agent. Now, they need to up their game a little bit. They need to have the ability to go land a star free agent here and there. And again, we'll talk about this more. But David West being the all-time free agent pickup, outstanding player, one of the most memorable players in recent history, he doesn't move the needle necessarily for a team. They need to get that next caliber of guy. West was a starter. They need to be able to go out and get an all-star, in addition to growing and developing from within, as they did with Victor, as they did with Sabonis, as Warren continues to blossom. But all good news here today, Tuesday, October 20th for the Pacers. Fans, you have your new head coach after this extensive, exhaustive search. It's Nate Bjorgren as head coach of the Indiana Pacers. And a lot of interesting things that he's walking into. And, of course, it starts with Vic. And then what do you do with the two bigs? Can you make that work? Well, I wanted to learn more about Nate Bjorgren, and so I called up my friend Eric Corrine. He's with The Athletic across the border and covers the Raptors on The Athletic. He detailed Bjorgren in a profile earlier this year, which corresponded with the All-Star Game in which Nick Nurse and his staff coached over in Chicago. So I'll talk with Eric Corrine about Coach Nate and what Pacer fans can expect. If you haven't subscribed or left a review, please take one minute to do that. It can help this show grow, and this show is all about you and for you, the fans. So 
To leave a review, simply go to ratethispodcast.com slash fieldhousefiles. Now here's my conversation on new Pacers head coach, Nate Bjorgren. All right, as promised, I now welcome in Eric Corrine of The Athletic. He joins us from across the border where Pacers making some news here this afternoon. Hiring Nick Nurse's right-hand man, Nate Bjorkren, as its next head coach. And so I wanted to bring on Eric to talk about Nate and what the Pacers can expect from him. So, Eric, what was your reaction to this news here today? Uh, well, Nick Nurse gets a another... Uh, accolade I think uh, in addition to being coach of the year and a, and a championship head coach uh, is he now a breaking news uh, you know purveyor as he I believe was the first person who said the pay I could be wrong about no, this you're right it was, I believe it was September 23rd told a Toronto radio station that Nate Bjorkren had interviewed for the job and I'm not sure that news was out there before then so Nick Nurse, you know, he's a guitar <laughs> player, he's a coach, he's a he's got a, p, a bit of a piano game going on, and maybe he just does this job better than we do it too. So, shit. <laughs> we got to pick it up a little bit. You're right, because that's the first time I had heard his name um, being up for it. There's been dozens of names, and the Pacers brought in more than 20, uh, talked with, I should say, done all virtually for the most part, um, yeah. talked with more than 20 individuals. And it was Nick that kind of hinted for the first time that his guy would not only interview, but he also noted that would he be a finalist. And that was more than a month ago. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Nick Nurse gets to be a multi, multi, multi hyphenate now, which is uh, good for him. <laughs> Author too, I guess, uh, with the terribly named, but I'm sure very informative rapture. Um, so... <laughs> You can pick that up at bookstores now. I'm not hawking for Nick Nurse, though. You do what you want with your time. Um, but Nate Bjorkred is he's a hell of a story, first of all. Uh, I wrote about it at uh, the All-Star Weekend when, uh, when the Raptors, uh, led by Nick Nurse, coached Team Giannis. And Nate Bjorkred only got to the NBA because he basically cold-called Nick Nurse uh, when he took over the G League job in, in 2007. Uh, or shortly thereafter, I should say, uh, he, Nate had been a walk-on at a at a Iowa University where, or, or sorry, it might have been South Dakota University where yeah. Nick Nurse was an assistant, and uh, they had a relationship, but not much of one. But you know, coming out of uh, coming out of a very small town in Iowa and having started his coaching career as a high school coach in Arizona. It's not like he had a lot of connections. So he just cold called uh, Nick Nurse and that led to a two-year job volunteering for the, uh, I believe, defunct now Iowa Energy. I'm not as up uh, on the G League as my colleague uh, Blake Murphy is, but I don't think they exist anymore. It's the Iowa Wolves uh, now. Okay, yeah. So they're Minnesota's team. That's what happened. Uh so and that sort of led him through a very similar D League slash G League odyssey that uh, Nick Nurse had, and then when Nick Nurse went uh, became head coach from where he'd been an assistant uh, with uh, with the Raptors to becoming head coach, Nate uh, Bjorken was one of his first hires as, as an assistant, and he wasn't the biggest name on the staff certainly. Like for I, I had not being a G League aficionado, I had never heard of him. Uh, I'd heard of Adrian Griffin. I'd heard of Scar Sergio Scariolo, who's the Spanish national team coach. But 
you saw how much trust Nick Nurse had in Nate Bjorkman. That is the first thing that that stood out. I, I uh, sorry, I'm going on a bit here. I know, but uh, I was working on a, a story I do almost every year called Week in the Life, uh, and I was doing the Week in the Life of Adrian Griffin, where I where sort of talk to him every day. And that week happened to be the the week where Nick Nurse was thrown out of a game for the first time as a head coach. Uh, so we all sort of thought uh, Adrian Griffin would take over as head coach. And I asked him about it, and, it actually, and he said, actually, Nick split up the duties. He said, you and Nate, take take this. Uh, so that was sort of the first time I knew how important he was to Nick Nurse on that staff, uh, was when Adrian Griffin let me know that you know he wasn't going to take all of the head coaching. He was only going to take a half a head coaching win, not a full head coaching win at his uh, <laughs> debut. That is such a new age way to handle it, I feel like. like You task one of your assistant coaches for handling maybe the timeouts and the other for in-game strategy or what have you. Um, that seems like a, a big change. And everything you kept talking about, Eric, and what I keep reading, a lot of what Nate is about reminds me in, in a lot of ways of Frank Vogel in that both, in a good way, got their jobs out of desperation. Um, Frank would do anything to meet with Rick Pitino and get a job on his staff and move to Kentucky and, and those sorts of things. And then was in a, a scout before joining a team as a video coordinator and working his way up the bench. And in a lot of ways, that sounds a lot like Bjorkren here. And um, the one thing I haven't discovered in all, in all this research and talking with people is kind of does, does he have a focal point? Is he better on the offense or defensive end? Or is he more of a delegator and a manager more than anything? Well, without having seen him as a head coach, he, he was a head yeah, coach in numerous places in the, in the Van D League. Uh, with Iowa, with Santa Cruz. Uh, I might be missing a team in there. Um, so it's hard for me to say, but I ever since the, the Raptors hired Nick Nurse to be head coach, I've tried to shy away from the offense or defense type guy because all anybody knew about Nick Nurse uh, when he was hired was he was the guy who Dwayne Casey entrusted with the Raptors going sort of a stylistic change offensively. And he, they saw great yield in that, in what basically, not basically, in what was Dwayne Casey's last year with the Raptors when he won head coach and the Raptors finished first first in the East with 59 games. Of course, it did, all didn't matter when they met LeBron, but that, that's been a running theme for many teams, including <laughs> the Pacers. Uh, so, uh, but... Uh, he was sort of the offensive mastermind. So I go in and do this story in when I'm in New Orleans about uh, Nick Nurse and his relationship with Chris Finch, who was another mm-hmm. uh, a candidate, serious candidate from what I've heard uh, for the Pacers job. And he tells me that in England, it was actually Chris Finch who was known as the offensive genius, which was carried over to the NBA and Nick Nurse, who was the defensive genius and, and wouldn't you know it, Nick Nurse comes to the Raptors and or becomes the head coach. And what he's become known for is defense. He's known for the box and one and, the, <laughs> and you know, the press and the weird ass zones and, and, and the criticism this year of the Raptors. I mean, not at all, not in the least because of their talent was their offense. So, you know, the book has sort of flipped on Nick Nurse to, to the degree which it's flipped. And obviously everybody still thinks he's a great coach. So I wouldn't want to paint Nate with some of the things that Nick got pigeonholed into, because I don't think that's fair. 
what I know about him is he, he's learned under Nick Nurse and he's learned to be very collaborative. I, I think he will delegate an awful lot because he knows how hard the head coaching job is and how immense it is and once you get to the NBA. And and frankly, if you're allowed to use these, you know, staffs of this size, uh, which they're not used to, and, and that's why Nate Bjorkman had to volunteer for his first two years in the in the D League at Iowa, because Nick Nurse already had two coaches on the staff. If you have these staffs, you might as well use use them. But I have no doubt uh, that Nick Nurse has rubbed off in um in a lot of ways. Uh, and just being uh, the best way I can put it is stylistically flexible. He is he's not going to come in with a system that does not make sense for his roster. And that's a big change, I think, in general, at least from the Pacers standpoint. It's funny how over time, more than anything, those guys are kind of assigned labels here in Indy. It always been Dan Burke, defensive coordinator. He'd been here since 1997. And as of right now, it doesn't look like the Pacers will be bringing him back. But in consideration to your last point, Eric, I think that was a key selling point for Kevin Pritchard and staff here is they wanted a guy, a new age type coach that they could bring in that, and that he would adapt to the roster and do what was best and be much better with in-game adjustments, much more than having one style of play and, and kind of forcing that upon the team. And yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think we got, carried away a little bit over time with and maybe this it's always the way it has been but like with the idea of having coordinators or whatever um i remember another pacers uh assistant coach bill baino uh he was mm-hmm. sort of the raptors defensive coordinator for a few years with Dwayne casey uh like the big man coach and and like and not to and Dwayne himself has has uh been upset about this about being pigeonholed in his case as a black coach as somebody who only knows how to get along with players but isn't a a strategist so i I think we have to no matter what degree we're talking about coaches we have to look more holistic holistically and from a from a macro instead of a micro perspective and if you think about greg popovich who's you know one of the handful of greatest coaches of all time he doesn't have a system. He had Tim Duncan for a long time, and that dictated the system. And then when he lost his, you know, and when Tim Duncan was still a great player, but he couldn't be the hub that he used to be, yeah. they all of a sudden became this, like, passing-heavy, three-point gunning team. And I think this is the lesson we can we should be taking from maybe the greatest coach of all time, is you listen, is if talent wins... And coaches, when things are going bad, coaches are always the first to say, well, look at the talent. Look what I'm working with. Well, if talent wins, then your job is to maximize the ability for that talent to succeed. And that means not being married to a dogma. And I would be shocked if Nate Bjorkren went in there and was like, he'll have a plan. Don't get me wrong but it will very much be based on the roster he's given. Yeah, with Pop, it seems to be it was culture and the culture of the Spurs, the Spurs way, and that was what everybody had hoped to kind of replicate. And you're right, with the Pacers now, you got to hope that Nate comes in, works to maximize player strengths, and one of the big frustrations just around the organization has been their inability to not only compete but succeed in the playoffs. They haven't gotten out of the first round 
since 2014. I'm curious in terms of staff, outside of Nick Nurse, does Nate have any best friend or anything on staff that um, assistant or a video coordinator that, that would maybe make an obvious choice for him to consider bringing here? Um, I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised if, if a few people from the Raptors organization, and I would just be guessing here, uh, so I don't, I don't want to do that, um, would go with them just for more of an opportunity than they might get in Toronto. Because uh, they, I mean, there's no reason to think Sergio Scariolo and, uh, and Adrian Griffin won't be back in Toronto. Uh, I am just putting two and two together and think Chris Finch going to Toronto if he doesn't get one of the head coaching jobs would make a whole lot of sense since, mm-hmm. you know, Chris and Nick have sort of circled each other and then coached with each other in England before. Um, and those are three pretty big time assistant coaches in terms of, uh, and even if not, that's two high profile assistant coaches. So if there's a video guy or, or, or you know, somebody who, who Nate has grown close to, uh, obviously, the Raptors are one of the most well-regarded organizations in the in the league, and I don't think Kevin Pritchard would would turn his nose up at that opportunity. But to give you any names would be, you know, I'd uh, just be talking not only out of turn but out of my ass. So I, I <laughs> sure. don't want to do either. But what, what, uh, so, what we have seen so, here, though, Eric, is it's a family, it's a culture, and they hire their guys, right? And yeah. so oftentimes, for example, Kevin Pritchard gave Chad Buchanan, the GM, his start in the ABA. Then they moved yeah. to Portland for 10 years. Then they both came to Indiana. So you see oftentimes, like Nick Nurse and, and Nate here, jump together. And so I just thought maybe there was one obvious name that they're and, always and like, hanging there probably out with. is. I just don't know if he's with the Raptors or not. It, it might have been somebody like you could go back uh, and, sure. and look at his Santa Cruz or his Iowa <laughs> staffs and see if any of those guys are kicking around in the NBA and make some guesses. But uh, uh, I think, you know, there are certainly guys like that. But then there's always just you will, like assistants want to attach themselves to good coaches, right? Like that's. You get a job because your team succeeds, uh, and that's mm-hmm. why Nate Bjorkman became a hot coach. Not that he was like widely interviewed, but that's why he goes from being rather anonymous to being a legitimate head coaching candidate now. Is because you know Nick Nurse did what he did with the Raptors, and by by all means, Nate Bjorkman was a big part of that. Uh, one thing I should say, uh, in addition, is that. You get a super positive guy in Nate Bjorkren, and I know that doesn't mean a lot to people, and his his personality as a head coach by nature has to be pretty different uh, than it would be as an assistant coach, but every interaction I had about him with a player, like guys loved him. And I quoted Kyle Lowry <laughs> that in, was my, great. in my story. That was great. Don't know how blue we can get Go for on, on here. He he basically said, Nate, he's the fucking man. <laughs> and Kyle Lowry, bless his heart, is, you know, the Grinch. He's the basketball Grinch, kind of. He he like being a curmudgeon is almost performance art on his part. So for him to say that, not about anybody, but especially as like a positive rah-rah personality. Like, you know, the guy's doing something right. Uh, So um, if he has Kyle Lowry's vote of confidence as as a more positive end of the spectrum guy, I think he's he's not going to have trouble 
clicking with the modern NBA player. I think that's my grand point here. Yeah, that's huge. That's something that that was a little bit lacking the last couple of years. I think under Nate, he tried to remove himself from some of those situations and and just focus on the basketball and let everybody else handle some other stuff. But kind of back to you, his personality, I'm curious, did he do a lot of interviews? Did he, was he out in the community much? Um, Was he the prankster in the locker room? What do you know about him from, you know, way back in the day when we used to be able to attend practices and games, whenever that was? Uh, um, He, I think, you know, this is a, this was his first chance on an NBA roster or an NBA coaching staff. And I think he, he was a bit shy um, from that perspective with us. That doesn't mean that's how he is with the team, but he sort of coincided with a time where the Raptors were, beca- I mean, his first year on a coaching staff was Kawhi Leonard's first year at Odley year in Toronto. So uh, the, let's just say the Raptors weren't becoming a more open franchise with the media at that time, <laughs> as I'm sure your listeners can uh, connect the dots there mm-hmm. uh, between Kawhi Leonard and that sort of policy yeah so uh, he came across as like very friendly and very kind but not necessarily overly wanting to share a ton of information with us okay Uh, and he always sort of i i think he wasn't quite sure of what he was allowed to say and what he wasn't supposed to say and he so as opposed to like saying the wrong thing he tried not to make waves which i think is a pretty damn good approach um, but you know, as Nick Nurse became more comfortable, I think he gave his assistants not only he always gave them tons of responsibilities. And part of Nick Nurse's philosophy, which I learned while doing that Griffin piece, is he doesn't have those coordinators. He has guys, uh, his main assistants switch from offense to defense to sort of special teams out of out of uh, out of timeout stuff like every 12 games or so. So you're not getting something who's just laser focused on one area. Again, you're getting somebody who's more holistic. Uh, and uh, beyond that, I would just repeat, you're getting somebody who's very high energy yeah. uh, and who's going to be, uh, you know, who's going to ask a lot, but he's definitely on the player friendly side of things. I, I don't think he's, um, I-, I think I remember Kyle Lowry or, or Fred Van Vliet uh, saying that in that championship year, he could only remember Nick Nurse lighting into the team two or three times. And I, I based on what I know about Nate, I would think that's probably what you're going to get. He's going to pick his spots uh, very wisely. As we said, you wrote a great piece on The Athletic about Nate and, and where he came from and some of the most interesting anecdotes in all this was back in the day you know he he needed rent and so he'd volunteer (laughs) and he was a substitute teacher and a part-time phys ed teacher all those various things and so uh in addition to what nick nurse highlighted i I think in a statement today was was kind of his preparation his hard work his personality and his positivity perseverance is the other thing that stands out to me you you don't make it through 4g league stints coaching high school coaching at this level, being a walk-on in college, you just don't love the damn game. And so this seems like a basketball nerd, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that goes for a lot of, like, almost every NBA coach. Like, I I know it's a very rewarding job and and not so much now as in the past, but frequently it's just players who graduated into that role. Uh, And look, that still happens with Steve Nash, who, like, we don't, I mean, I love Steve Nash. I have no idea how I'll be as a coach. I, I think he's very bright, but there are guys, uh, you know, who are just 
grinders and and Frank Vogel's another one like you mentioned who and Nick Nurse is another one uh, he talked he talked about it at his uh, when he was named coach of the year who when they think about alternative life paths that don't involve coaching it makes them either so bored or so sick or so passionless that they cannot stand by and accept that very easily, if at all. And I think, like, judging by his path and judging by who he is, that's exactly who Nate Bjorkren is. And, uh, you know, uh, this league still comes down to talent, and I'm sure you cover the questions about the the Pacers roster, and uh, it wouldn't be some su- a huge surprise if there's some turnover there, but... He's not going to be unprepared for this opportunity, and he's he's not going to uh, pull out any half measures either. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to go full bore into this opportunity, and he's going to be as creative as the roster lets him be. And uh, I, I think that, as well as his optimism, and is are going to ultimately be his calling cards for better or for worse. And Eric, I think the last point that I wanted to make on Nate and, and his experience in history is, is in player development and what we think about with that Raptors team, especially last, or I guess now two seasons ago, was that old statistic that they won without a lottery player on their roster. And you think about the Pacers, they haven't drafted it inside the top 10 since 1989. So very <laughs> similar situation here. You got you know OG Ananobi in the 20s. Fred Van Vliet goes undrafted. Um, Norman Powell, uh, I think second round. Pascal Siakam, late first round. Yeah. I see this as another huge area where the Pacers can benefit from a fresh set of eyes and perspective that had just gone through this. Yeah, and again, like he's only been with he had only been with the Raptors for two years, so a lot of like the scouting process. And they the Raptors didn't have a first round pick in uh, 2019. Oh, am I right about that? I don't. Anyway, they hadn't had. A, they did. Uh, they did not have a first round pick last year. That is correct. If somebody, yeah, Terrence Davis was their rookie, and and he, sorry, draft history just gets muddled here because they've traded away a few of their picks as you know they got closer to contending. Of course, yeah. Um, so that that was the pick that that went to the Spurs, of course, for Kawhi Leonard. We're getting anyway. Uh, but he has seen their development work and. He had a bigger job than that. He wasn't like, you know, Jim San sort of lead. Jim San sort of leads the development in, on the coaching side uh, with the Raptors. But like I said, you don't, you do not be an assistant in this league without learning how to work with players on an individual level. And you're part of those conversations still. Like even if you're not, uh, you're not running a young player who's not seeing court time a lot of court time through his individual drills you're part of the conversations that lead to what he's working on and i think it's become uh the raptors have become sort of a sexy franchise for that because of the names you just you know uh ran off and and deservedly so Uh, i think there's a lot about that process that we don't know and Mm -hmm. you as reporters we both know how much uh uh teams consider to be uh you know, information they cannot share, uh, proprietary information. So they're not exa- exactly <laughs> selling their, their state secrets about scouting and drafting and developing. But Nate Bjorkren was there for 
a lot of those conversations. And if you're a Pacers fan, uh, to the extent that any of this has been real for the Raptors, and I think you have to agree that at least some of it, you know, while certainly a lot of luck is involved, some of it is very real. You have to hope that Nate Bjorkred picked up a lot of it by osmosis and just by listening and and also taking part in it to uh, the extent that he did. So I, I think when you... Just like teams were hiring Spurs coaches for a lot, a lot of a lot of years, and hoping to get that Greg Popovich sheen on them, mm-hmm. you're hoping the Raptors special sauce uh, has uh, been absorbed by Nate Bjorkren, and he takes a lot of the good of what both his you know friend Nick Nurse uh, brings to the table, but also what the Raptors have been able to do from a front office and development standpoint. Yeah, throughout the process, I just kept hearing Kevin Pritchard was obsessed with the Raptors and what Nick Nurse had been doing. So that that kind of falls in line with this. And with the player development, I go back, and that's kind of, in a good way, guilty by association. So <laughs> he can kind of benefit from that, Nate can. Um, Eric, I appreciate you jumping on here, and I encourage everybody to go read your story. And Blake wrote something as well today uh, about Nate Bjorkeren as well. So thanks for your time. I really appreciate it, Eric. Uh, always good to talk to you, Scott, and uh, stay safe down there and uh, vote. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Vote? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Everybody go vote. And Scott, you're awesome at what you do, and I'm uh, glad to hop on anytime.